0: but I'm just trying to recover from the whiplash of me saying, oh, I've got some serious vocal fry because I had a really sore throat from this really bad cold. And then you responding with, yeah, I know how you feel. I just had some peanut butter. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast, brought to you by the best deck building site on the web for the commander format, EDH Rec. My name is Joey Schultz, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-hosts. First up, the speedster whose article series takes you from 60 to 100. It's Matt Morgan. So, Joey, I found a new bakery to go to. Oh? Yeah, the, the owner always greets me when I walk in. He says, what's going on? Uh, I'm Somehow you do a dad joke every episode, and I'm still never prepared for it.
1: Next, the man whose articles remind you to look in the margins, Dana Roach. I am a Rolex-wearing, diamond ring-wearing, kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, limousine-riding, jet-flying, son-of-a-gun.
0: That was surreal and i'm joey schultz author of the commander showdown series all these articles and more can be found at edhrec.com along with some awesome featured community content such as other commander podcasts and gameplay videos edhrec itself is a fantastic deck building resource that compiles data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks and here on the podcast we're going to give all that data a little more context what's our topic this week fellas persistent petitioners that is right i was very persistent in petitioning that we do this as a show. you just topic. stole
2: my joke i was going to say that
0: <laughs> i was waiting for that from that too You son of a you already had a joke you had a dad joke so i got to steal that one from but you that's what i do i'm not good at this game i just bring dumb jokes to the
2: podcast
0: <laughs> oh, well, I'm very sorry that I stole your joke it was just too good to pass but yeah I've been wanting to do this episode for a while because Persistent Petitioners is a really cool new card from the Ravnica set and no one really knows precisely how to build it just yet so each of us took Persistent Petitioners and then put it into a different deck and we're going to compete to see which person built the best Persistent Petitioners deck which I think sounds like a lot of fun. I am on board. I'm remotely on board. (laughs) Matt's really disgruntled. Don't worry, Matt. We'll review your deck first. But before we do, I have to ask, how have you guys' weeks been? Any fun games? Any new cards? Have you been
1: staying warm, I hope? I've been staying warm. I've been staying warm, but I've gotten like, we had one storm that dropped, I think, 12 inches of snow and then one that dropped 10. So I've basically just been shoveling for the last week and a half. Sounds miserable. Sounds like the perfect weather to just cozy up and play some Commander. It would have been, but, like, both of the storms came on commander night, so I've had to no. miss two consecutive commander nights. That's been terrible. Are you going through withdrawals? I kind of am, actually, yeah. I wound up going on an off night. I usually don't play last weekend because I was like, I just need to get some commander in. I can't <laughs> have this going without weekly commander.
2: Yeah. Matt, how about you? How was your week? My week has been great. It was 60 degrees today in colorful Colorado, so I went for a walk. Ah.
0: I'm, I'm very envious I was of you.
2: outside and my ghostly pale skin got vitamin D.
0: It was great. <laughs> wow. That would be nice. I know you both are jealous, but. I'm, I'm very, very envious of you, Matt. I, with the change in weather, I immediately was struck with a very severe head cold. So I've been out of commission for a couple of days. Folks can probably tell listening to me. I've got some serious vocal frag going on as well. Um, but I'm glad that we've been able to survive the snowpocalypse thus far. You sound
2: more wonderful than Scarlett Johansson or anything I could imagine.
0: That's a Kardashian. He's kind of got a Car- Kardashian vibe going on, Joey. That went from a compliment to a very not compliment <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> your, your voice is smoother than the butter that I melt over dinner rolls. This is getting very weird. I'm oh. going to move on now. Let's talk about magic. For those who aren't aware of what Persistent Petitioners is, let's review that specific card really quickly. Persistent Petitioners is a human advisor for one and a blue. It's a one three and it has the ability pay one and tap it. Target player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. That's not very exciting, but the second ability definitely is. It says tap four untapped advisors you control. Target player puts the top 12 cards of their library into their graveyard. And most importantly, a deck can have any number of cards named Persistent Petitioners. This is a really, really neat card along the same lines of Shadowborn Apostle or Rat Colony or Relentless Rats. I think the nickname for this card was in fact Relentless Bureaucrats in playtesting when they were designing the entire set. So this is a neat new card that will allow us to have any number of copies and combine to mill opponents out, which is pretty, pretty nifty. But when we look on EDHREC, And we don't exactly see a lot of decks for it just yet. Granted, the set hasn't been out, you know, for too long, Ravnica Allegiance, that is. But we have a lot of division on the top commanders for this particular card. No particular single style of deck that best utilizes the petitioners has yet come to fruition. So we wanted to get together and each make a different deck to see what a good fit for these petitioners would be. Matt, I think we're going to start off with you. Would you introduce us to your deck for Persistent Partitioners, starting with the commander that you chose for these cards?
2: So the commander that I chose, I knew I wanted to do blue-black X for it. Uh, Blue-black is just kind of the the default mill strategy color. So I wanted to kind of stick in that shell. But also, I thought about doing green, because there's a lot of tribal-type cards that you get really good support in with green. But I ended up actually going with Esper, So I tried to find a good Esper Commander, obviously a Loro, Bore Loro, if you will. Didn't want to go that route. None of the top, you know, the most popular Esper Commanders really stood out to me. So I did a little digging, and I found one that actually really intrigued me in Urtai the Corrupted. So Urtai is two and Esper colors, so two white, blue, black, for a 3-4 Legendary Wizard, and he reads, you can pay a blue and tap him, sacrifice a creature or enchantment to counter target spell. And I know we talked about spell shapers last week, and this is almost a t- kind of a twist on spell shapers, but with persistent partitioners, we're gonna have a bunch of them on the battlefield. The way I kind of tinkered the deck out is I am paying, playing some cards like Kinder Discovery, where I'm gonna almost kind of combo out with them. There's a lot of just really neat things in there that are gonna let me flood the board, playing Sapphire Medallion to make all my blue spells cost one less to cast. So I'm gonna try to get as many persistent partitioners out on the battlefield as I can. And then with Urtai around, he almost acts as kind of a sacrifice one to protect the rest type of effect. But I can also sacrifice some enchantments. So I put a bunch of different uh, powerful enchantment effects out there. Stuff like Fraying Sanity, Drown Secrets, some Mill cards to really support the the Mill everybody. Uh, type of strategy that's going a on. pretty
0: interesting choice i don't think when i first saw the petitioners that air would have been one of my first choices to go to just because it seems like it might not you know directly interface with the petitioner mill strategy but you bring up a good point that you can use him to protect all those creatures because you will indeed be a very creature centric deck so it's nice to be able to have something that will make sure that those stay alive
2: yeah exactly Like how many mill decks do you guys know that are playing 33 very creatures? very few Yeah, besides mine Besides mine, of course, yeah. Well, ours, I guess. We're, we all did a Petitioner's deck, and with that ability to put as many as you want in there, you're going to have a high number of creatures compared to your typical mill strategy. I think the average one is maybe running 10, it was. So yeah, we're, we're a little more creature heavy, and that's why I played in my deck. Besides the mill cards, there's a lot of counterspells, there's a lot of controls type of strategy because we are an Esper, so I'm playing some stuff like Austere Command, Wrath of God Effects, some one for one removal, some a bunch of counter spells just to make sure that when I get this big board established, it's not going to get blown out by an untimely Wrath of God. If if somebody's going to cast a Wrath, it's going to be me. I want to control when that happens. And then obviously, since we're playing a bunch of creatures and they all have the same creature type, and this is one thing that I, I'll spoil it. It's in every one of our decks is Patriarch's Bidding. I think that card is going to be mm. nifty in Partitioner's Decks. And that's another reason why blue black was kind of a default for me. We're playing a bunch of mill reanimator kind of slots in naturally next to it. So I have a, you know, some top end stuff, some, some win the game type of effects, like rise of the dark realms, Joseph, so the Joseph Schultz special, if you will. Darn right. But yeah, so it's, it's a really fun looking deck. And even though it is mill, it's actually looks like a deck that I, I would enjoy playing bunch of draw effects, a bunch of each opponent type of type of cards, uh, fraying sanity, I think is going to be really good because you mill somebody once and then
0: it just doubles down on them. Yeah, it seems like a pretty fun deck. Yeah, so let's go into a few of those particular spell choices that you mentioned. You noted that the reason you wanted to include white is because it gives you access to a bunch of cards that allow you... You know, extra special removal. So, in terms of white cards, you've got cards like Wrath of God, Austere Command, um, Anguished Unmaking is another neat one. In addition, we also see Render Silent. And in fact, I'm seeing quite a lot of counterspells here, like the traditional counterspell, Arcane Denial, Swan Song, Render Silent, obviously. Um, You're seeing a bunch of those to help along with Airtight to control the board and make sure that you can get those guys out. But then you also mention cards like the Patriarch's Bidding. For people who aren't aware, Patriarch's Bidding, this is a three black, black sorcery that says, everyone chooses a creature type and then returns all creature cards of a type chosen this way from their graveyard to play. So since the petitioners all share a creature type, if they do end up perishing for one reason or another, that can bring all of them back onto the field so that they can continue to mill people out. And what's also pretty neat about the petitioners, just kind of as a fun observation here, their second ability, tap four untapped advisors you control to have someone mill for 12, they don't need to care about summoning sickness for that. That particular ability does not actually have a tap symbol in it, so they can use it when you Patriarch's bidding them right back into the battlefield, and you can start doing it right away, which is pretty darn cool.
1: Correct. Yeah, it's very powerful. And and it's any advisor, too. It's not just the participant petitioners. If you have another advisor in Matt's deck, for example, Grand, Grand Arbiter Augustin, you can tap that as well. It doesn't have to be for persistent petitioners. It just can be any advisor at all, as long as you have four of them you can tap four advisors. Yeah. And that that's surprisingly relevant. There's 50, I think, 54 different advisors in Magic. And I mean, some of them, are, you know, a lot of them are bad, but some of them are actually pretty useful beginning with grand arbiter. grand
0: arbiter i think so far is the most popular choice for the petitioners actually um, which definitely fits really well because grand arbiter discounts the blue spells that you'd be casting which therefore means your petitioners so that's a lot easier to put them out there but for the sake of color diversity and getting some extra effects in matt's case control in my case well as we'll see soon a bit more of a graveyard synergy none of us i think actually ended up going with grand arbiter but since matt has access to those colors it is definitely a good fit here you also mentioned, Matt, a few artifacts that you use to help reduce the cost of spells like Sapphire Medallion. Are there any other cool artifacts that you've included here as well? So I did Illusionist Bracers. Uh, that
2: was something that I think just copying an activated ability of the of the Persistent Partitioners, that is a copyable ability. So Illusionist Bracers seems to fit in pretty well here. I also, because it is me, I have a little two-card combo in there uh, with Mindcrank and Dusk, Ma- Dusk Mantle oh, Guilt yeah. Mage. So dust mantle guild mage. I'll read that one because that's not a terribly popular guild mage from Return to Ravnica. So it's blue and a black for a two two human wizard, and the, the key ability here is pay one blue black. Whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere this turn, that player loses one life. That combos with Mindcrank, which is an artifact for two, and it says whenever an opponent loses life, that opponent puts that many cards from his from the top of his or her library into her graveyard. So they lose one life, they mill one. But because you activated the guild mage, when they mill one, they lose
0: one, but then they lost one, so they mill one. So it just goes infinite right away. That's a really, really fun one to use for mill strategies. And that is something to note as well. Mill strategies are pretty difficult in this particular format because your opponents don't have 60 cards. They've got 100 cards. Well, I suppose 99 cards to go through. And, you know, that's not insignificant. So making sure that you've got everything else that you can possibly do to get that strategy to work most effectively is definitely a smart move. Thank you. Dana, are there any uh, particular cards that jump out to you in Matt's list?
1: You know, it feels like Matt is running just a lot of really, really smart cards. Like if I was building Esper colors for this deck, man, I my deck would look a lot like this. Like just looking at it, I feel like Matt's just built this deck exactly like how I would build it in Esper. Yeah, we've got a lot of those cards. Matt mentioned Fraying Sanity, which helps with Mill, Psychic
0: Corrosion, Sphinx's Tutelage, a lot of those classic cards that help with Mill. Um, Some other neat ones that I'm seeing, Matt, you also mentioned, since all of the petitioners share a creature type, you're also doing stuff like Kindred Discovery, which lets you draw cards whenever those petitioners enter, which is really cool. And you've also got a card that I haven't seen a ton of, and that's Kindred Mm Boon. That's the other name a creature type enchantment that came out in Commander 2017. Four mana white enchantment that lets you choose a creature type and then put divinity counters on those creatures, and then the enchantment gives them... Uh, indestructible as long as they have a divinity counter on it, and as long as the enchantment remains in play. That's a pretty interesting one, and I think I really like it because this is a pretty vulnerable strategy.
2: Yeah, anytime you have a, a very creature-dependent strategy, I I think it's worth investing a little bit in into protecting them. That's why I'm running a decent amount of counter spells. Uh, but kindred boon, it's mana-intensive, but that's probably the only mana sink that I really have in the entire deck, really. So. Kindred Boon, I like as just a protection spell. If they get rid of it, that's fine, because I can use Urtai to sacrifice a creature to protect Kindred Boon. I really like just the how everything kind of lines up with this deck. Obviously, a lot of creatures and protecting them, but it protects itself pretty well, actually, as well at the same time.
1: Yeah, really, really neat. I actually really like the 5-mana uh, the blue enchantment patient rebuilding, which I've never actually seen in a deck. And, you know, it just mills for 3, so it's not a ridiculous amount of cards. But it also probably draws you a card. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's going to wind up being a Frexian Arena more often than not. You're milling three, and if they mill a land, you get to draw a card. But you're, so you're doing two things you want. You're getting extra value out of that, and you're also putting a few cards in the yard. I, I, I like that in this deck. It's kind of a nice—and no one's going to want to remove that either. It's not hitting them hard enough or helping you enough to really justify probably blowing a removal spell on. So it's one of those, those effective, effective cards in this deck that's going to sit there probably untouched for the whole game.
2: And the nice thing about it, too, is with Patient Rebuilding, a lot of these mill cards, they combo really well with Sphinx's Tutelage. Um, So that's an enchantment for two and a blue whenever you draw a card. Target opponent puts the top two cards of his or her library into their graveyard. If they're non-land cards that share a color, you repeat this process. So you have a chance to get a huge, huge amount of mills out of any little silly thing that you do. So stuff like Induced Amnesia, where you basically kind of scroll rack yourself, Uh, It's two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever Induced Amnesia enters the battlefield, target player exiles all cards from his or her hand face down, then draws that many cards, so they get a brand new hand. And then when Induced Amnesia is put in the graveyard from the battlefield, return the exiled players to the owner's hand. So with Urtai, it's pretty easy to draw a new hand, sacrifice Induced Amnesia, draw another hand, and you get all those draw triggers for Sphinx's tutelage to mill them out quite a bit. You're a mean, mean man, Mr. Morgan. Hey, (laughs) I got to do something. I got to bring those those mean and gnarly synergies
1: to the table. So that's what I'm doing here. It's really logical synergy, though. Like it's not cards that you're running just for a combo piece. It's cards that all individually do their thing. And if you happen to have them all together, it's that much better.
0: I just want to point out that you guys are complimenting the way that i play blue i really am i enjoy it quite a lot yeah. i think that air tie is a definitely an underdog choice but a really smart one because you're absolutely correct in noting that this is a vulnerable strategy and air tie helps you shore up some of those weaknesses in advance which is just that's a perfect way to go i am pretty perfect you you can just <laughs> say that all you want well i mean it's i won't tell it's, you it's, now. it's, it's a perfect way to go but it's not more perfect than the way that i went (laughs) so listeners we will include matt's deck list along with all of our deck lists in the show notes when we post the show on edh rec so you can take a look at his but i promise you that it's not going to be as cool as the list that i came up with i'm going to move on to that now the commander that i chose for my persistent petitioner's deck is moldrotha the
1: gravetide because and and i want to ask matt matt are you remotely surprised by that choice
2: no not (laughs) not at all a bit not 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 one hair on my chin or head or any part of my body
1: as a necromancer himself
0: as as a necromancer himself playing the golgari the the Golgari, the Sultai, you mean? Yeah, Joey, as a necromancer himself, Schultz, went with Muldroth the Gravetide. As everyone should know by now, Muldroth is a six-mana Sultai commander. It's a 6-6 six, six elemental avatar, and during each of your turns, you may play up to one permanent card of each permanent type from your graveyard. The goal for this deck isn't immediately at least, it's not to mill out the opponents, it's to mill out yourself. So in addition to all of my persistent petitioner goodness, I have a bunch of cards rather like Patriarch's bidding that Matt noted earlier that help me return those cards from the graveyard to the battlefield because because I mean, it's just so good. And that will be a great way to make sure that we get to mill things out in one big epic awesome flourish. So in addition to cards like Patriarch's Bidding, I'm using cards like Living Death and Twilight's Call. These are ones that I've noted before, especially that I use in my own personal brews like Maran of Clan Neltoth. And after I've milled myself a whole bunch with persistent petitioners, these will bring even more petitioners right back into play so that I can start immediately milling and milling and milling. And once I get enough on the battlefield, I can just mill everyone else out automatically right there. I can especially do this with the help of some really cool untappy green cards. Since I've got access to green, I want to make sure that I'm using those cards like Seedborn Muse. We all know that one untaps all permanents you control during every other player's untap step. So once I've got just a critical mass of creatures on the battlefield, my petitioners can be milling and milling and milling every single turn. You've also got cards like Merc Fiend Leage, which will help supplement that because that one will untap all green and or blue creatures you control during every other player's untap step. I mean, you can't beat that. It's just so, so good. So that's the strategy that I wanted to go with, is finding those cards that will put stuff into my graveyard, bring them all back, and then mill everyone out in one big, massive endgame flourish.
1: So I will say this right away. I do like using Moldrotha as a reanimator commander. I made the comment when she was first spoiled that it was Muldrotha, the spirit chieftain of Clan Neltoth, because it was just <laughs> another variant on Marin and Carador. And by and large, when I see Moldrotha played, it just gets played as a basically value town card. You're just trying to you know play play things that generate value on ETB and then replay them for more value. And then just, oh, dollar value everyone by just getting so much more than, than they have. Which isn't maybe the most interesting thing in the world to watch someone do in a game. I like the fact that you're using Moldrotha for something different. Well, I... Uh, Appreciate that.
0: I mean, Moldroth is definitely a good value engine, but here it works especially well because not only can you cast individual petitioners from your graveyard, but you can also cast some other really important pieces pieces of your strategy if they are to end up in your graveyard too. The particular thing that made me want to especially go into green is the card Blood Bond of March. This is a really neat Golgari rare enchantment from the original Ravnica set. So it's two black and a green for an enchantment that says whenever a creature spell is played, each player returns all cards with the same name as that spell from their graveyard to play normally in commando that would be absolute trash but if i'm milling myself and i've got a bunch of persistent petitioners in my deck and therefore in my graveyard and then i cast a persistent petitioners they're all going to come back into play so that's one of the really fun ones so if that ends up in my graveyard moldrotha is able to just bam put it right back into play for me and that's especially fun
1: that is a a great enchantment in this deck but i feel like it's not matt's favorite enchantment that you're running
2: it is not. No, it isn't. There is another green enchantment that I love, though. Yeah, what's that? Oh, it's just a learn. No, no big deal. <laughs> but a, a learn is I mean, I have played a legacy deck and I played it for a long time. That is all about this card. It's it's two green green for the enchantment that says any player, any player, not just Joseph M. Schultz, but any player <laughs> may play a creature card with total casting costs three or less whenever he or she could cast an, an instant spell without paying its mana cost. So basically everything has flash. Everything can be cast for free as long as it costs three or less than as a creature. So you can cast infinite Persistent Petitioners if you have a learn on the battlefield. Uh, it's such a good card. And you have Kindred, Kindred Discovery in there next too. So you can just wombo combo out and you know draw all your Persistent Petitioners, cast them again for free. You're playing 28 Petitioners. So roughly, you, you figure out when you get going, one in three draws is going to be a Petitioner. That's a, that's a pretty good rate with learn out there. So I really like that. I think learn is fantastic. I really like the green splash. I tried to force it, but I wanted to go outside my wheelhouse a little bit, not play green and play white instead. Big surprise. One,
1: one thing about Aluren that's worth noting too, particularly in Commander, yes, it's everybody, but especially in like a 75%-ish meta, there's just not that many creatures that, that cost three or less that are in people's hands. I mean, yeah, you're going to get someone flashing an Eternal Witness to get back something valuable and making a big splashy play. But there's a whole lot of like, you know, four drop, five drop kind of things filling out people's decks. And yeah, you're going to occasionally stumble across that that rats deck that, you know, just falls in love with you casting a But by and large, the value you're going to get out of this card far outstrips what anybody else is going to get out of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. If, you can, if you can build your deck around a it is insanely powerful.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that it's a really great combo with Kindred Discovery because it draws you a card every time that you play one of those. I'm also running Beast Whisperer, which again will draw me a card whenever I cast a creature spell. And since there are so many petitioners, that's a good chance that I'll be able to get that too. I really appreciate giving you... Intruder Alarm. Yous. Yes, that is that's another one as well. <laughs> dirty, Joey. That's just that dirty. That is it. And,
2: yeah, yeah. And like, I told like, you I was
0: running Untappy Effects. I've got Intruder Alarm, I've got Seedborn Muse, Quest for Renewal, Merc Fiend Leage, but but Intruder Ridge. Alarm is probably... One of the one of the stronger ones for sure.
2: Yeah, when and the the cards that you're playing in green are, are some of the big reasons that I would want to play green in this style deck. Merc Fiend Leash, Seedborn Muse are all pretty
0: great. A learn and Intruder Alarm with petitioners, so gnarly. I love it. Yeah, that one's really nasty. I do appreciate Aluren's mana reducing uh, ability, but there are a couple of other neat effects that I found as well that could help reduce mana. Uh, Matt, you said that you were running Sapphire Medallion. I went for the card Herald's Horn, so it's one more mana than Sapphire Medallion. It's a three-mana artifact. It lets you choose a creature type. Obviously, you'll be going with Advisor because that's your persistent petitioners. Um, It reduces their cost by one. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you look at the top card of your library. And if it's a creature card of the chosen type, you can put it into your hand after you reveal it, which is really neat. So that could be a way of, uh, in addition to reducing the cost of your petitioners, you could also maybe get some extra chance draw spells off of that as well.
1: Uh, the, The card I like a lot among speaking of draw spells is Desperate Research. That's a great find. I would just saw that. That is a great find for this deck. I'm challenging the stats on
2: that one. Actually, I'm not a huge fan. Really? There's what? So, so yes, persistent petitioners. We'll get to challenge the stats later, Matt. I can't believe you. I'm challenging
1: your stats right now. So, buck up. So, th- for those that don't know, it's it, it's a two mana. It's a it's one in a black. So two mana for a sorcery. Name a card other than a basic land card. Reveal the top seven cards of your library and put all of them with that name into your hand and then exile the rest. So in Joey's case he's running 28 partitioners which is closing in on a third 30% of the deck roughly.
2: You figure yeah. it's going to go a little bit higher just because cuz you're missing you're, you're your commander's account. Yeah. Well, and you're running stuff like secure tribe builder, w- stuff like that to get stuff out of your deck. Sure. So you'll you'll probably have a decent chance
1: of being at least a third if not a little bit higher, I, I would say. So you're probably going to hit fairly frequently you're going to hit two. I mean, you're going to whiff on occasion and hit one, but there's going to be times when you hit three or four petitioners as well off off a two-mana draw spell.
2: I yeah. think that's a very unDana card, so I'm actually kind of surprised <laughs> that Dana's liking it because, like, yes, it, it's got a high ceiling, but but sometimes you, you might only get one. At that point, you may as well be running the sign in blood,
1: anything I think like in, that. In part, I like it because it's something I've never seen before in a deck, so I will give it the benefit of the doubt just because I love cards that don't work anywhere else and just happen to work in like one specific corner case deck i'm a huge fan of that kind of thing
0: i think it's a slam dunk i think of that it would be do. very easy to get probably two if not three petitioners every time that you cast desperate research it i was so excited to be able to cast this one and uh i i will challenge your challenge uh, that you don't like it in this deck i think you it's can't a really challenge because
2: really i already challenged to begin <laughs> with this isn't like Take back season jinxes on Dumb and Dumber. This is just, I challenge
0: you. Double dog dare you to play that card. Well, so that does open up the door to discussion on a few other cards that I am running that also have that same name as X card or whatever uh, strategy to them, which are things that we just don't often get to see in Commander at all. So another one that I really enjoy is Sphinx of the Chimes. This is a six mana five six Sphinx that says discard two non-land cards with the same name, draw four cards. So if I do end up with petitioners in my hand, I can discard two of them, draw four cards, and then I've got more petitioners in my graveyard, which I can then resummon into play with one of my spells later. I really enjoy that. one a lot Uh, wood sage is another option i'll be curious matt to see if you like this one wood sage is a green and a blue a two mana human druid one one that says tap name a creature card obviously petitioners, reveal the top four cards of your library and put all of them with that name into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So not only does this fill up my graveyard with other potential artifacts or enchantments that Moldrotha could cast for me, but I could also get petitioners into my hand this way on a repeatable creature, which I just think is awesome. So Matt, what do you think of those types of cards?
2: I like Wood Sage a lot more than I do Desperate Research. Uh, you have so many graveyard synergies built in with Moldrotha, with Patriarch's bidding, even though you're probably not going to Need them in the graveyard for Patriarch's bidding because you just put them in the hand, but that's regardless. But yeah, you, you can... I like Wood Sage a lot more because, A, you recur all your permanents much better. You only have 13 spells in there. You're recurring every other card type in the deck from Muldrotha. So, Wood Sage, even if you only get one or two a turn, you're still essentially drawing cards off of a creature, which doesn't happen very often, especially when all you have to do is tap it. I think that's one of the powerful effects on Wood Sage... That I, yeah, I, I totally forgot about this card. I was playing back when I was done back in Tempest, I want to say. It's a really old card, I know. But yeah, it's that those are the types of effects I would rather play than Desperate Research because the downside on Desperate Research is you remove all the seven or the seven cards that you draw, you remove those from the game if they're not a persistent petitioner, which you don't get to recur those because you've exiled them off Desperate Research.
0: Yeah, but that's okay. I've got so many other redundant pieces. You know, I don't just have the Patriarch's bidding. If that gets exiled, I still also have Living Death or Twilight's Call that can get those things back for me. Or I can also get the Bloodbond March, which is another way of recurring them, so like, I I feel like I've got enough redundancy to make that risk worth it. I see your point, I just disagree with you. There are a few other same-name synergy spells that I want to point out before we move on to Dana's deck, and those are the cards Secret Salvage and a really fun green splash Doubling Chant. I'm going to start with Secret Salvage. This is a really neat card that we saw in Aether Revolt, I believe. It was either Aether Revolt or Kaladesh. Uh, Secret Salvage is three black black for sorcery, exile target non-land card from your graveyard, search your library for any number of cards. Cards with the same name as that card, reveal them and put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Shadowborn Apostles and Relentless Rat Rat Calling decks are definitely familiar with this one because it can give you just a ton of stuff in one go. You exile a single petitioners and then bam you've got you can get all of them from your deck and since i'm doing a bunch of graveyard synergies if i end up with too many cards on my hand i don't mind discarding them into my graveyard because then i can just get them back some other way that's a really really great one but then the one that i think especially justifies the green splash for this version of a petitioner's deck is the card doubling chant six mana green sorcery that says for each creature you control, you may search your library for a creature card with the same name as that creature, put them straight onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. So if I've got five petitioners, bam, now I have 10 petitioners. This is not a card that gets to see a lot of play, because why would it? Same name does not usually work, but here it's awesome. And that was another really fun one that I wanted to be able to use here. It's just really getting a whole bunch of green into this. I think it adds a lot of spiciness into the mix for the petitioners.
2: I'm going to challenge your mana base if that's the case because you have 21 islands and only three forests. You have a lot of double black. You have a lot of double green. Just saying.
0: I also have plenty of non-basics that I think will help me in addition to cards like Ash Barrens to help find those forests. And don't forget... I'm running Muldrotha, which can help me not just recast Petitioners, but also play whatever basic lands that wind up in my graveyard and put them back into play too. So I'm not too worried about getting the right mana fixing, because Muldrotha
1: will definitely help out with that. I'm worried for you. The, the one mana-based comment I will make, and I will make this to both of you, is I feel like 99% of the time if you are in a three-color deck, you should have City of Brass and Mana Confluence in your deck. Ooh, um, and, good prob- probably. and probably Exotic Orchard as well.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good call. Those were probably missteps. So oof, that might be a knock against my particular deck that could end up swinging the voters favor in favor of Dana. So Dana, how about you school us with your version of Persistent Petitioners now?
1: I am playing Kess, Dissident Mage, Persistent Petitioners, and and I will explain my thinking about how I came to Kess. When Petitioners were first spoiled, I, I first thought of Esper because, you know, when you think blink, you tend to think white and blue. And black is obviously a useful color. So I thought, well, white, blue, I can exile a lot of my creatures, you know, tap the petitioners to mill somebody, exile them to have them come back into play on tap, do it again. The problem with that is there's not a lot of mass exile for your stuff. There's a few things, but there's not as many as I had thought. A lot of it is just hitting one or two creatures. So that didn't quite get me there outside of like Ghost Way and uh, the one that was in Shadows Over Innistrad, whose name Eerie Interlude. Um, so there was not as many as I would thought, so then I started looking a little bit more, and decided to go with Grixis, and Kess in particular, because part of the problem I've had in the past when you're building a deck that's requiring X amount of spells to do its thing, in this case, kind of Blink or Exile, is if you don't hit that spell, or don't hit a bunch of those spells, and you need to do it three or four times, it's really difficult to do. Kess kind of circumvents that problem by letting me cast a spell... And then recast it using her ability. So uh, the spells I decided to use here instead of mass blink is additional combat step spells. Oh. So if you have something, uh, I'll give you an example of one that I am running here in this deck would be a savage beating. So you play savage beating only during your turn, and the creatures you control gain double strike to end a turn or untap all creatures you control, and after this phase, there's an additional combat phase. So I have multiple different spells like that that give me an additional combat step that I'm probably never going to use. All I'm going to use that for is tapping petitioners to mill somebody, cast a spell to untap them all and not attack, tap them all again to mill somebody, and then use cast to do it again. I think that's fair. So this deck is is built around extra combat steps that I really don't take. I just use to untap my creatures.
0: That's exceedingly clever.
1: And, you know, if I'm if I happen to have eight petitioners out... Well, I'm, I'm tapping two groups of four to mill somebody for 24 I cast an extra combat step do it for 24 more and then flash it back with cast and do it for 24 more so the goal is to be able to, to just clock somebody one person one time in one turn and just end them all at once yeah that's that's
0: a really really clever take and I like that you're not sacrificing any of the other classic blue untap spells in doing that too you've got really neat stuff aggravated assault that's a, another repeatable version where you can use the activated assault's activated ability to get an additional combat step and untap your stuff like that's a really great one but you're also using cards like dramatic reversal uh breaking wave the all those cards those classic blue things that would also untap your stuff uh one i don't see very often intellectual offering that's a really good find too because intellectual offering can let you choose an opponent and then you and that player draw three cards and you can choose and opponents could be the same person, could be a different person, and you'll each untap all non permanents you control. So that's another way to get in even more stuff. And Cass, you're right, we'll let you replay
1: those. This is really clever, Dana. Whether or not it works, I don't know. <laughs> but my goal was to, tr- <laughs> was to try something kind of weird that I didn't think most people would do with Cass. And the added bonus of that is you know, there's enough really decent kind of big beater mill cards, things like Traumatize, where you just hit somebody for half their library, and then being able to cast that a second time around a second player does a lot of work, too. And then in addition to things like the untap cards, there's also things like Insurrection or Mob Rule that let you take all someone's creatures and use those for your combat step. Except the way those are worded in the case like Insurrection but Mob Rule is the same way, you untap all creatures and gain control of those creatures until end of turn. You untap all creatures and gain control of them, including your own creatures. So basically I'm using Insurrection as a second untap step. Same with Mob Rule. <laughs> That's a. Uh, it's it's then, a
2: very Dana-esque
1: yeah. take on take on this, and then and, then, and pe- then do it again with Cass to tap yeah, them you're, all again. You're
2: doing persistent petitioners, but you're doing it in a very Dana way because you have to have a
0: theme to everything, so Absolutely. it's <laughs> themed around extra combat. It's it's Dana. Yes. Well, thank you very much. I like it. Another nice touch that you've put in here, one that I really struggled with that didn't end up in my list, and in retrospect, probably should, is a uh, leyline of the void, which can. If it's in your opening hand it can automatically begin on the battlefield Uh, but most importantly it exiles cards if they go into an opponent's graveyard which is really really uh, just that's a very keen choice because it makes sure that if you are milling other people like for example a moldrotha player or a Marin player or a carador player or what have you those are like you're not giving them more fuel you're making sure that those cards stay gone and that your mill strategy works the way that it ought to with them losing all of those resources
1: well, one thing I did building the deck was I wanted to only use cards that either I knew I would be able to pick up because they were inexpensive enough or that I actually had in my possession. So I actually had all three of the, the fetch lands in these colors. I'm like, oh, so if I built this deck, I would actually use them. I actually have a Thrumming Stone and I actually have a Leyland in the Void. So I'm like, okay, I'm okay putting those in versus the original ABUR duels. I don't have any of those three in these color combinations that aren't tied up in a deck or I just don't have them, like in the case of Volcanic Island. So I didn't include those. So while Leyline is a crazy expensive card, it's, you know, almost $50 right now. I, I happen to have one, so I was fine putting it in this mocked up deck. Dana's a man of principle. <laughs> if, if there's <laughs> anything Dana is, it's, it's a man of principle. I, I try to be. Now, Dana, walk me through the other creatures that you've got in this list. There are only two. There are only two non-petitioners in the deck. One is Master of Inquiries, and one is Council of Advisors. And, <laughs> and there's nothing particularly special about those two creatures other than they are both advisors, so they work for tapping with Petitioners. Uh, Master Inquiries costs a single mana, and so basically it wound up being, it's a persistent Petitioners for the most part that is going to cost me one less if I happen to not have Sapphire Medallion or something out. But the, the weird one would be Council of Advisors, which is out of Portal 3K, and it's just an advisor for two and a blue, and when it comes into play, draw a card. So basically it's just a persistent Petitioners that basically for one mana, I get to draw a card. So it's a cantrip effect stapled onto another advisor. I guess that's fair. It's a curious choice. But yeah. There's, yeah, there's nothing else really interesting about those two other than one of them is slightly cheaper and one of them gives me a cantrip.
2: And one of, yeah, one of them is a $13 card that you just want to put in there because it's from Portal Three
0: Kingdoms. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the awkward it's, it's, part. It's like it. three visits all over again. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that's pretty cool about this particular list, though, and it might be a weakness for uh, the list that both Matt and I had, is that since you have Kess and you're dividing attention between the petitioners and also, you know, more of a, a slinger esque focus, you do have more access to actual removal spells. So in this case, you've got things like Pongify and uh, Rapid Hybridization. Vandal Blast is a great one to be able to use. Um, So you've got more reality shift, like those types of cards that will allow you to better protect yourself from other people who are doing maybe bigger, more obviously threatening things on the board.
1: And, And I chose, I went with ones that you do kind of see consistently in Kess decks just because they're ones that you can cast twice. So, you know, Rapid Hybridization is a really good card, but I'm also in black. Normally I might run Go for the Throat or something in this kind of deck if it wasn't Kess. But in this case, being able to cast it twice for two mana versus twice for four mana if it was go for the throat is what really makes it worthwhile for me. And I'm also not going to be attacking very often in this deck, so I don't care about giving someone a token for the most part.
0: I think you also have the most artifacts out of any of us in uh, our decks. So that is a good time to bring up some key important artifacts that uh, we didn't mention for our lists. I think both of these showed up in mine. I'm not sure if they both showed up in Matt's, maybe because he's a bit more of a polite person than us, to be perfectly frank. But the cards that are drawing my eye are both five mana artifacts. That's Paradox Engine and Thrumming Stone.
1: Yes. And, and you know, you're probably going to see both those two in most petitioners lists of so people actually can afford the Thrumming Stone. You're <laughs> Right. And I have no particular plans. Like, I'm not doing any fancy Paradox Engine combos with this deck. It's simply a way to further untap my petitioners. I've got nothing really baked in besides that, other than it's just a value generator and allowing me to mill people more often.
0: Right. And then the Thrumming Stone, which is a bit more obscure. Folks don't necessarily know it. That gives all of your spells ripple four. So whenever you cast a spell, you reveal the top four cards of your library. And if any of those revealed cards have the same name, then you can cast those too. And then those will also ripple. So playing one of those, you can ideally get through your entire deck and put all of the petitioners straight into play. So that's definitely spiked ever since we've been getting more of those. You can have any number of these in your deck cards. It's a really good choice, especially if you manage to get both of those in play at the same time. Yeesh, that's mean.
1: Well, in the thought process, too, I, I have probably I have more mana rocks than either of you, two. But the thought there was I need to cast those extra combat turn spells and then maybe cast them again the same turn. So I wanted to have access to more mana than maybe the average person would in these colors.
0: Yeah, that's a good, a good point, especially because a bunch of those untappy effects that you've got, like Dramatic Reversal and uh, Paradox engine and whatnot, those could help you pay for effects like the Aggravated Assault because you're untapping mana rocks in addition to your creatures.
1: Right. Yes. And of course, I have Patriarch Spitting because we're all running that card. It's a good card. Yeah, we are all running Patriarch's
0: Bidding. I think... Is that the only card that we have in common? Maybe, because... Um, Matt didn't have Thurming Stone. I did not have Thurming Stone, but you don't have Distant Melody. Yes, I don't. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a really great one. Matt, do you want to read that one for us? That's a cool spell.
2: Yeah, so Distant Melody is three and a blue for a sorcery. Choose a creature type. Draw a card for each permanent you control of that type. So, say you have ten Persistent Partitioners out... Cast distant melody. Choose advisor. Draw ten cards. Seems pretty good.
0: Ten cards for for four mana. I'm not. I'm. I won't argue with that. Yeah, that's a really classic one. Is there any reason that one didn't quite make your list, Dana?
1: You know, I looked at it and I just wound up not. I I had to cut something somewhere, and I'm also running a few less petitioners than you guys, so that was probably part of one of my reasons as well.
0: Yeah, I just thought that that was kind of interesting that Patriarch's bidding is the only spell that we had in common. I'm wondering if maybe that means that, you know, some of us are kind of iffy on this whole deck building thing or if it actually indicates, this is my personal hope, that the petitioner strategy and all of these like there's a lot of diverse directions that you can in fact take this. And that is what I think is really important. Like we the fact that we had very few in cards in common aside from of course the petitioners. I think that's really really neat across any two people's deck lists you might see some commonalities but it's nice to see the bunch of different ways that these can go you've got a spell focus matt has more of a control and enchantment based focus and then i've got more of a graveyard centric strategy it's just neat to see that diversity for a card like this normally when you'd see a rat colony or whatever you'd expect that they're all kind of going to play the same way or you see shadowborn apostles well i know exactly what that's going to do it's going to bring a bunch of demons into play i know how that should go but it's just cool that we came up with very different directions and that our card choices are also so disparate. I think that's really neat.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be fun to look at the EDH rec database here in a year after people have had a time to brew and play and tweak their decks and just see how many weird commanders are running petitioners. Because I, I, <laughs> I think it's going to be dive. I think we're going to see a diverse array of commanders playing these guys as opposed to what you see for rats or um, apostles.
0: Yeah, and that will be one of the ultimate votes. But listeners, don't forget to vote for which of our decks you think is the most interesting and that you would prefer to build for your petitioners. Dana, you brought up something else that I think is really interesting, and that's the number of petitioners that you're running. And we each picked a different number here as well. In Matt's list, he was running 30 persistent petitioners. In my list, I was running 28. And in your list, you're only running 22. I'm just kind of curious that we each came up with different numbers for the, you know, amount of petitioners that we're running in each of our decks. Uh,
1: I think I might have not enough total. Like, I don't don't think the amount of petitioners is necessarily what's important because you really only need one in play as long as you have three other advisors. So the petitioners itself maybe isn't the magic number so much as it is the amount of advisors you have. I only have 22, but I do have 24 advisors. So I think that is more what's relevant than the X number of petitioners.
2: To be honest, it defeats your point of saying you only need one petitioner with your other advisors
1: because you only have two other advisors. Right. Yes, <laughs> true. So your logic is faulty to begin with. But like looking at my list, like I, looking at 24, I feel like I probably should nudge that up slightly. I feel like if I play tested this, I would, I would wind up wanting to add probably two more. But, you know, maybe not. But That's just kind of my gut feeling. So I think I probably don't have enough. Matt, what do you think about your number? So I wanted to make
2: sure that I'm always drawing a max number of them. I want to have at least two or three in my opening hand. If you're not casting these guys on turn two, you're you you're probably not going to be off to a very good start because they do have summoning sickness unless you're, like we said, using their second ability. So I wanted to make sure I was maxing out without actually taking away from any of the support cards. So that, I think 30 is a good starting point. I've never played a deck like this. I've never played a rat's deck or or any, you know, the, you can play any number of these kind of cards. So... 30 seemed like a good starting point because I figure up it's about, like I said, about a third of, of my deck. So we'll start from there and maybe
0: go up or down, depending. Yeah, I think that's fair. And finally, what we have to do, Matt, you kind of jumped the gun on this one earlier, but I think it would be prudent for us to challenge some stats. Since we're all challenging each other with who built the best persistent petitioners brew, we also have to look at other people's decks or maybe even our own and take a glance at what we think the actual statistics of these cards should be and what should show up alongside cards like persistent petitioners. Matt already took a swing at my Desperate Research, which is an awesome spot spell and i think he's wrong but you know i
2: guess we we know i'm right how many bets have you beat me in compared to how many bets have i won against you
0: hey don't don't use the past to justify the now it's a cool spell that i think could draw us plenty of cards as long as you've got a high enough density of the petitioners so just a a spell which is
2: another reason that my 30 petitioners (laughs) is more so i have a higher chance to draw more i'm right again by you trying to say i'm wrong
0: you're welcome. I wonder if that should almost be another poll that we run, to be honest, <laughs> to see like what's the number of petitioners that listeners think is the correct number to run in these decks. Because it's really hard to make sure that you get enough in there for that strategy to support, but also that you get enough support cards in there that help your particular version of that strategy work, and that you still get enough support cards that let you draw cards and remove problems and things like that. It's a really fun deck building challenge to try and get this many of, of the petitioners into the deck. So... That's pretty interesting. So we've got your challenge to stats on the Desperate Research. My challenge to stats is going to be for you, Matt. That's the card of Remembrance. I'm very surprised I didn't make your list, especially since you're running Ertai, who could use other enchantments. Remembrance is a three and a white enchantment that says whenever a non-token creature you control is put into a graveyard, you may search your library for a copy of that creature card. And if you do, reveal the card, put it into your hand, and shuffle your library afterward. So whenever Ertai sacrifices a petitioner to counter a spell that would have destroyed all your petitioners you can use this remembrance to then go replace it with another brand new petitioner if you're running a petitioner's deck that has white in it like grand arbiter or like Airtie or any type of commander remembrance is a really key piece that will help make sure that you keep your hand stocked full of those petitioners i do like that i just saw
2: somebody had just shared with me some rube goldberg five piece combo with remembrance and spy kit and it was a way to basically get every creature Onto the battlefield at once from your deck, and I don't remember, but that somebody had just talked to uh, to me about remembrance, so it should have been fresh in my mind, but it, it just wasn't.
0: Yeah, so that's a really good choice, and that means that we're going to move it on to Dana. Dana, what's your
1: challenge? My challenge is going to be the uh, recently discussed card from Joey's deck, Desperate Research. <laughs> I, no, really, and I'm I'm curious, like I have not played it, and I, I the first time I really saw it before was looking at Joey's list. But it's in black, which is the color of Shadowborn Impostles, and it is the color of, of Rat Colony and Relentless Rats. I, it's only in 43 decks, and I'm genuinely surprised to see it in only 43 lists when there's multiple different kinds of run as many of these creature types as you want that could be running it. I mean, I, I've seen Relentless, La- Relentless Rats di- lists or, or Rat Colony lists that are running like 35 to 40 rats. And man, in that deck, you're going to really consistently draw three if not four sometimes for two mana. I'm just I'm shocked it's only in 43 decks. I think wow. maybe maybe that's a quirk of there only being so many of those decks, but I've never seen it in many of those lists before. And I feel like if you're playing Shadowborn Apostles or or one of those rats or maybe even petitioners and you have access to to blue, I think you should give it a look if your density of that creature type is, you know, 30 plus and there's a lot of them that are at that that density.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh, looking at the page for Desperate Research right now, you mentioned only, you know, a handful of decks. But also only 39% of decks that include Desperate Research are currently running Shadowborn Apostle. And only 31% of decks that include Desperate Research are also running Relentless Rats. You'd think that those numbers would be way higher.
1: Yeah, and you know, and maybe some of those decks are ones that for whatever reason they're like I know rats decks tend to run other rats, particularly rat colony ones, because there is mm-hmm. interaction there. So I think maybe that's part of it, but I I just feel like I'm still shocked it's only in 43 decks.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's a cool find. Matt thinks that it's a garbage card, so (laughs) we'll have to let the listeners decide not only who they think is right about Desperate Research, but also whose Persistent Petitioner's Brew is the coolest. Mine. You do have some good cards in there that I
2: did miss, though, like Jace Ingenious Mind Mage, or Ingenious Mind Mage. I totally forgot about Dual Deck Planeswalkers, and that one's really good because it ticks up and untaps all your creatures
1: so that one's a pretty good find yeah i mean it's 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 not necessarily a good planeswalker it's just good for what <laughs> i'm trying to do <laughs>
0: yeah exactly yeah and matt i appreciate in your deck you have Athreos, god of passage which is sort of like that remembrance it helps you maintain make sure that you get to keep those petitioners in your hand uh, by threatening other people's life totals if they ever dwindle a little bit too low so that's another neat way to sort of keep those petitioners you know alive and healthy which is definitely a benefit to having white in the deck i especially appreciate we all went for a base of blue black but matt went for white i went for green and dana went for red i think it's cool that we went in those different directions without even talking about it
1: yeah we we didn't share ahead of time what colors we were picking or what we were doing for commander so we all kind of went different directions just on our own
0: yeah definitely really fun okay folks any other last minute thoughts about persistent petitioners before we wrap
1: up the show I do think we should kind of put a calendar reminder or something to come back at this maybe in a year and take a look at, you know, just maybe do a little three or four minute segment and see what the top commanders are and see if we see some fun diversity compared to what we would see for apostles or rats. I'm I'm really curious to see where it goes.
0: Yeah, and especially to compare those against you know what folks think. Uh, the most fun deck that we came up with was you know yeah. if folks think that the Kess deck was the most fun, but then we come back and it turns out that Airtie is the the most popular commander for petitioners in
1: a year. That'll we'll be really know really we'll, we'll know to, who to credit. We'll know who to credit. I mean, I've, we'll have to get a new audience, I think, at that point. <laughs> oh man, that's savage! I <laughs> that think was um, rude, and I don't appreciate
0: your your naysaying. <laughs> Vote Matt. Excuse me. Vote Joey. Uh,
1: Did you forget who you were? Well, I just sort of... You can vote
2: for me, yeah. I mean, we know that I'm right over Joey. That's just a It just sort of sounded like that was
0: Matt's political pitch. It was just like, (laughs) oh, Dana, my opponent is so rude, so don't forget to vote Matt, you know?
2: You'll you'll never get tired of winning with me, guys. (laughs) The margins are going to be huge.
0: With that, I think we're going to call this episode (laughs) to a close. I'd like to thank my co-hosts so much for joining me. And if our listeners want to get in touch with us, where can they find you all?
2: Uh, I'm on the Twitters at Mathemus55, M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5 as
1: always. I am on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach, just like my name, easy to find. And I am talking to Commander once a week on my other show, CMDR Central. And I'm Joey Schultz.
0: You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter. Special thanks to our editor for the show, Ken Peddle, also known as Kenish Norn. You can follow him on Twitter at Loader. That's L-O-A-D-3-R. You can follow EDH Rec and the cast on Facebook and Twitter, and you can contact us at edhreccast at gmail.com. Plus, you can find us on iTunes, and if you do, please consider leaving us a review to help other folks find the podcast too. This podcast is posted every week on our community content spotlight section, where we feature as many other content creators as we can, from Command Zone to Commander's Brew to Commander Versus, not to mention new articles published every day by our own fantastic team of writers don't forget to vote for whose deck petitioned the best and side note if you want to make your persistent petitioners truly persistent maybe you should use cauldron of souls to give them all persist we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights but until then remember
1: dh wreck your deck before you wreck your deck Point out: i think they've done a really nice job with morals at least in terms of cards and stuff mm-hmm. in the last few years because like we should give them positive feedback about that yeah general still all suck felt like they fixed a lot of they're working to fix a lot of the card problem
2: well if only you weren't so bad at sarcasm
1: I guess right people would know that you don't like it like it was a little more creative creative